Top stories, some movement toward meeting doctors' malpractice insurance protests. House overwhelmingly approves the extension of the voting rights bill. Court matron shoots her mouth off and a mistrial is declared in the Callinger trial. This is Lester Smith reporting. Next news as it happens. Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR, Radio 710, the talk of New York. And here is Gene Shepard. Kind of nice, wasn't it? Huh? I dedicate that to all of you out there that are having skin trouble. You ready in there, Barney? Before we go any further, I need a little ego booster because it's the middle of the week, and uh, there's a thing uh, which psychologists uh, now call the middle of the week sag. In other words, when you suspect that last weekend is now a mirage. You don't even remember having a weekend last weekend. <laughs> and uh, the next weekend seems to be so far away that you're liable not to reach it. You know how life is? So would you please uh, give me a little cheer, cheer. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Bring it up. Big, big. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. I just love You know what that is, in case you wonder what that cheer is? I'll give you a chance here out there for all of you who are uh, trivia experts. Can you identify where this cheer was made and who was doing the cheering? Now, before you say any more, you know, that's a whole new thing. You know, this, uh, uh, there's a new hobby that's growing. Several new hobbies have been growing recently. You remember the old hobbies? Stamp collecting. Remember those hobbies? Nobody collects stamps anymore because every country turns out 27 trillion stamps a year. So, you know, it's like trying to collect snowflakes. You know, there's no way. Uh, do you remember when they used to have a hobby called coin collecting? Well, see, that doesn't work anymore, what with uh, 
what with the recession, you can't spend much time collecting coins. You spend most of your time getting rid of them, right? So coin collecting. You know, the other day I was in the A&P, you know, and a guy ahead of me tried to pay in a doubloon. He was all the way down to the bottom. You know? <laughs> He's getting rid of it all. <laughs> so uh, the new uh, the new hobbies really are technical in nature. So uh, every kid in the world has got a tape recorder. You know, one of these little Sony types, and uh, you know, a little Philips tape recorder. So uh, the tape recorder has become the chief repository of the new uh, of the new hobbies. For example, there is a hobby which is called. Uh, uh, Rare and esoteric laugh track collecting. Yes, did you know that there are kids that uh, that copy or I say I say kids only because it takes a certain uh, imagination to do this, and most adults have long since given up imagination. You know, they work in places like insurance offices where you often get penalized for that. So uh, when you're a kid, you can still afford to have an imagination, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, you'll learn, kid. Don't worry. The first time your imagination starts to become obvious in a sales meeting and you get your head lopped right off somewhere down around your thorax uh, you know when Mr. Bullet says what was that? I don't think that's funny what are you trying to be funny huh? and you say no sir no sir no sir Mr. Bullet I was just clearing my throat well I thought I heard someone laugh when we presented Operation Over the Top here this is going to be our new sales effort and uh, you learn very quickly kid so uh, nevertheless, uh, the kids do have these new hobbies, see, and one of them is they, they sit around with tape recorders and they watch these really old, bad television shows that appear on the channels, you know, way down at the end of the dial, like the 429th rerunning of the I Love Lucy show when Desi Arnaz was 19 years old and uh, Lucy... <laughs> Lucy, Lucy looked a little bit like she was about 12, and uh, the whole thing was was uh, shot in a set that had cardboard walls, and you could actually see the walls of the apartment billow in and out when the wind hit the cardboard. And uh, so they had these terrible laugh tracks, see? So kids record just a laugh track, and they compare various laugh tracks. And in fact, they can. Uh, there are some laughers that have gotten a, a great underground fame. Uh, where kids, uh, you know, will trade laugh tracks back and forth because there's a very famous laugher on it. He appears on the uh, Ozzie Nelson show. He appears on the same track. So, well, now, here's a, here's a very rare laugh track, a very rare track of cheering and laughter, and uh, we'll give you a, a brass figure with bronze oak leaf palm if any of you can identify just where this came from. And, uh, you know, you'll rise above. This this award is given for rising above the muck and the mire of average uh, listener and audience participation, right? You'll be, uh, you know, very proud of the award if you get it. Very few people have received it, though. So uh, listen carefully and see if you can identify. You may even hear yourself in this. That's a great crowd, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to tell you where it came from. No, sir. No, sir. Uh, I have uh, other fish to fry before we get to that. And uh, speaking of fish, say, are you going out tonight? Well, the going's great. On Broadway, where a beautiful new musical called Shenandoah is getting bravos, bravos. You know, who, who, what actor, a famous actor, one time, speaking of fish, appeared on stage, a Broadway stage, and uh, he was having trouble during the week when he was performing. Every night, there was this crowd that would come in, 
and uh, they would start coughing. You know, the crowd that instantly coughs when they get into a Broadway house, you know, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. And, oh, wow, I tell you, uh, whenever I do a, 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 you know, a play, I've done several uh, Broadway and off-Broadway things here in town. Whenever you do this, about halfway through, one of your most important scenes, you know, where you've got this girl there and the lights are dimming and the music is slowly beginning to swirl behind you. If for some reason or other, three-quarters of the house all of a sudden starts to go... <laughs> well, what did he do but just at the moment when the coughing and the borking and the, the uh, barking had reached its, its absolute peak, its apogee, he reached under his coat and hurled out into the audience a large fish. He was feeding the seals. <laughs> Who was that? All right, let's get back to the commercial. Shenandoah is the smash hit musical. It's now at the Alvin Theater. Right. And where's the Alvin Theater? Well, it's at uh, 52nd Street, west of Broadway. I one time spent a hellish afternoon on the stage of the Alvin doing a run-through dress rehearsal of a about to open Broadway show. That's what I know about the Alvin Theater. It has a cavernous stage. It's 52nd Street, <laughs> west of Broadway. Join in the fun. One, two, three, four. Time after time, day after day, you come out better and ill. This week at All Hills Supermarkets, you can save on everything from facial tissue to turkeys. For instance, 10 to 14-pound U.S. grade-A Swiss Butterball hen turkeys are just 59 cents a pound. Fresh, juicy peaches are only 39 cents a pound. Tropicana Fresh Orange Juice is also on sale. Three one-quart containers are just $1. Also on sale for a dollar are three 200-count boxes of Hills Facial Tissue. Check our weekly newspaper ads for money-saving coupons. And once again, you'll come out better at Hills. Time after time. That was nice. This is really good, wasn't it? What an exciting gang. You know, uh, it certainly was. Everybody, all of you raise your hand now. Uh, those of you who feel an urge to cough. Okay. I want you to cough twice now. We're just this is just a routine physical, right? Okay. You're all right. Move on. Move on, buddy. Let's have the next one here, right? Uh which high potency vitamin do physicians and pharmacists recommend most, huh? Theragran. Ha ha ha. Theragran M with minerals by Squibbly. Squibbly ips bips. Now Squib. The name Squib on the label means that you have no doubt about the honor or the integrity of the maker. Yes, sir, old reliable squib, he's called, in the office. And right now, you can take advantage of a great special offer. You buy 100 Theragran at the regular price and get 30 extra tablets at no extra cost. You can go on a total vitamin binge, get all vitamined up, you know. Check your squib vitamin headquarters at the drugstore, the department store, or wherever it is you buy your vitamins, from that guy in the corner that stands next to the newsstand. Oh, it's a mean one. But uh, I won't, I won't uh, deal with that. Uh, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know how quite to approach his friends, fellow neighbors, fellow victims, fellow strugglers of the vast anthill and the uh, pyramid of time. 
Do you, do you ever think of yourself as an ant struggling up the side of a vast pyramid of time? You do all the time? Well, you were right. You are an ant uh, struggling. <laughs> the first time you've been right this week. But uh, <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? Hardly anybody asks you, though, anymore. There's very few questions asked. There are only statements made. And that's not the same. How, how recent has, has it been since you've been asked about anything in your life where you think it's, it's the thing you want to do? And you know, now, I mean, can't you imagine this great scene? Everybody's sitting around the, uh, the 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 table. You know, they're having dinner. The old man is sitting there, and he's mad. He's had a rotten day, just like all the other rotten days at the office. And his wife is sitting there. She's had a rotten day at the PTA. You know, at the little league, she got hit by a foul ball, and uh, you know the whole thing. See, and the kid's sitting there. Uh, he had a rotten day at the little league too. He got hit twice in the mouth with ground balls. He went over 23, and uh, <laughs> well, that's the way the little league games are. It's not at all unusual to score 40 to 70 runs in a game. So a kid having 23 times at bat is a kid that was pulled out of the game in the fifth inning. Uh, so uh, <laughs> he's sitting there, <laughs> and, you know, it's a typical little American family, you know, and uh, you know how life goes on in the typical American family, just sort of loses along like a vast. Uh, unending river of Pepsi-Cola, and uh, he's sitting there, you know, <laughs> vast unending river of Pepsi-Cola. That's not bad. That reminds me, this is WOR New York. Yes, indeed. So it's a vast unending river of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, you can fill in the blanks. Hit the button, please. If you're looking for fun, come on the <laughs> Oh, it's a little Jennifer. Why Jennifer? And uh, we don't have any copy here for poor Jennifer. No, it's not here. No. Got a lot of vitamin copy, but you fly Jennifer. And uh, the reason uh, you should fly Jennifer, they got a new special deal going down to Fort Lauderdale in Miami. And uh, I'm at living it. And uh, you, yeah, it's not here. It really isn't. Oh, it's under Alamo. Oh, for heaven's sakes, and under the chili parlor joint. Uh, little Jennifer. Fly Jennifer's day coach excursion fare to Miami and save a big 25% off the regular round-trip fare. So now it's only $141 round-trip to Miami, even on a luxury 747. Got rid of all those old DC-3s, and they got a big one now. Fly Jennifer. Fly National. That's actually pronounced national, but, you know, it's Miami. Cubanos, you know. So uh, did we do it? Okay, that's legal, huh? All right, that's that's fine. Yeah, we gave them a little more than they even deserve, right? Little Jennifer, she's so cute, though. I love the way she sits on my knee. Hi, me. That's kind of nice. Well, uh, <laughs> I've often wondered. I'm not going to tell you though what I wondered about. Probably get me, you know, in trouble with everybody. But uh, we all do this. But you like the little family scene, see, right? Little family scene. Here's Daddy sitting over there. And uh, he's had his usual hellish day with uh, Mr. Bullard, and uh, his wife is uh, she's uh, she's sullen, and uh, which she spends a lot of her time being these days. And uh, yes, because she has the dream that all ladies living out in suburbia have that if she hadn't married Clifford, she could have you know gone on to become the editor of Cosmopolitan or at least one of the more uh, elegant uh, reporters for Cosmopolitan, if not having been a first lady of the stage. 
or she might have gone on to become a major general in the U.S. Army. Who knows? But here she is, saddled with Clifford. And uh, let's put it this way, it's both ways. And so here's Clifford sitting there, see, and uh, he's looking at the sport page. And uh, you know, he, he's looked at the sport page so long now he doesn't see it anymore. Uh, just he doesn't see it anymore. He doesn't. Uh, he just looks at it out of ritual, and the kid is sitting there because he doesn't remember doing anything else except uh, always sitting there. And somebody once in a while saying, "Eat, will you?" And uh, so that's about the extent of the conversation at night. And all of a sudden, uh, his wife looks up uh, from her uh, from her sullen muttering, and uh, she looks up and she says, "Clifford," and he says, "Yeah, says, Clifford." I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah? All right. The answer is no. No, just wait a minute, Clifford. I I just want to ask you a question. And he said, yeah, well, Clifford, is it really necessary that we go on with this? Go on with what? Yes, all of this. What do you say, Clifford? We split. Uh, what was that? What, uh, split? You know I don't bowl anymore since I got my hernia. She says, no, no. I I mean, let's let's just go out and get in the car and just turn the switch and drive out on Route 1 and hell with it. And just keep going. Just keep, you mean keep going? What do you mean, all the way to New Haven? No, I mean to Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and maybe beyond. And then what we can do is that you can stop off at Moose Jaw, and I'll take the car and continue. And then I'll never see you again. And you'll never see me again. And we can leave this little out here, and he can play all the third base he wants. And the hell with it. Dead silence then for that moment. Please, a little of that majestic music. And for the first time, the family life of the Clifford J. Watanabe's has come to life. A true question has been asked, and it hangs like a great vast zeppelin over the dinner table there with his motors quietly idling. <laughs> for the first time, it has been brought out in the open, the question that has been hovering in everybody's mind, why the hell are we going out with this? Clifford never thought that Sarah would be the one to say it. But Sarah said it. And little Clifford Jr., who's been toying with the idea for a hell of a long time of taking out his Yamaha and going on the road forever, heading to the Pacific Ocean and perhaps even going underwater all the way to Tahiti, hitchhiking all the way. It hangs there for one brief instant, that... That terrible silver dirigible of truth. <laughs> and slowly the commander of the great truth machine pushes the throttle forward. And the dirigible sails out the kitchen window and heads towards Darien, Connecticut to bedevil another poor family. dramatic truth has been sent to you as a public service by this totally concerned, involved media of communications.
Why do they give that stuff all the time for me to do? How come John Gambling doesn't have this kind of stuff to do? He's always playing something new from the new Julie Andrews album. The eternally new Julie Andrews album. You kind of liked that, didn't you? Oh, that certainly set the old thing on edge, didn't it? Yes, sir. And while we're setting things on that edge, how about uh, how about laying a goodie on you here? Hey, how many of you out there really dig chili, huh? Oh, no, come on, I'm not talking about her. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't blame you there, buddy. She's fantastic, especially since she grew that mustache. But uh, I would like to uh, suggest, if you really like a good bowl of chili, it's a rare thing in this town, you know, getting a good bowl of chili? It is not easy to get in New York City. And I come from a, from a town, from an area, where chili parlors and chili, you know, is, is like the big dish locally. Did you know that in all throughout the Midwest, that particularly in the steel mill area, uh, where thousands of Mexicans have come up and work in the mill and so on, uh, chili is a, is a major art form. It's like here in New York, everybody goes out for pizza, you know, or they go to an Italian restaurant. In, in places like, uh, oh, northern Indiana and Chicago, you go to a good Mexican restaurant. And chili is fantastic. I love chili, really good chili. You know what, what's the test of good chili? If, if, uh, if after the second, no, if after the second, uh, uh, no, first of all, chili should not taste hot. It should be hot. That's different. After the, after the first or second uh, spoonful of really good chili, the acid test is your nose should begin to sweat. That's true. It really is. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, that's a real, a real compliment. And I'd like to recommend a really fine chili parlor. In fact, it's one of the best chili houses I've seen in the entire East. And it is good. Believe me, it's the Alamo. You know about the Alamo? It's legendary. Uh, people go to the Alamo, you know, who go no place else in town. And the Alamo is right in the middle of the city. It's at 142 West 44th Street, right off of Times Square. And uh, it is a great chili parlor. Fast service, by the way. Chili con carne. What does it mean? Come on, quick. You don't know what the word means even? What's the matter with you guys? Uh, have you ever? Have you, uh, how long has it been since you've had a good tamale? There are several types of tamale, you know, wrapped in the corn husk. Oh, Kambala. Oh, caramba. Uh, enchiladas, tacos, chili con carne, tamales. And, uh, you know, there's about seven different types of chili. Chili with beans. Uh, have you had, ever had chili mac? Chili mac is, is a chili that's served with macaroni. Uh, you take elbow macaroni, and the chili is poured over the macaroni and has shaved cheese on the top of it with the ground onions over that. Oh, oh what a little... Uh, uh, you know, a little bottle of uh, carte blanca with that. Man, you just don't want to leave. And this is a good chili place, uh, one of the best, and I recommend it personally if you like good chili. It's a, the Alamo Chili House is the official name. It's 142 West 44th Street in New York, right off of Times Square. I repeat, 142 West 44th. One little word of uh, uh, about the Alamo. The Alamo is one of those underground places uh, this is the first time they've really come above ground where where advertising men for years have gone when they're going with their friends on a, uh, a no-business deal. They go on lunchtime. They go down and sit and have a good bowl of chili and a great big uh, bottle of ice-cold Mexican beer. By the way, Mexican beer is superb if you've never had it. And I would recommend the Alamo Chili House. 
the best chili in town is their motto, and that's true. 142 West 44th Street in New York. And you can give them a call if you're going down there some night. It's at Circle 5, 4288. Chile, and pick up the phone and say, Caramba, my nose is sweating. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, uh, I guess uh, I, guess I uh, it's, uh, you know, one of those nights, it's summertime, it's the middle of the week, and a couple of nights ago, see, I was, I was out on the Jersey Turnpike, and to me, the Jersey Turnpike is a very symbolic turnpike, it is. Uh, it, yes, it is. It, uh, it has all kinds of, uh, oh, uh, let's say, overlaying and underlying layers of meaning. See, some turnpikes just lay out there in the country, that's all. But the Jersey Turnpike connects heaven and hell. That's a very different kind of turnpike. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, well, like a 300-mile-long purgatory. And there you are, suspended, see? And then you can't tell which side is heaven, which is hell. Now, if you're trying to split from Trenton, you know, you want to get out of Trenton, just anything to get out of Trenton, and you're heading towards New York and the village. Uh, those spires of Manhattan reaching up into the gray, misty skies of night, they represent heaven. On the other hand, if uh, you're trying to get the hell out of Sixth Avenue just once, just say, I've got to get out of this place and drive me out of my bird. Nothing but sirens. There have been 17 guys mugged in my block alone in the last 12 minutes. You know, if you get that fitting and you're heading out, uh, you, you, as you go hurtling through the the uh, Holland Tunnel, you you have the the uh, the illusion that you're heading for heaven. So uh, you know, if you're going to view it theologically, really theologically, excuse me, if you're going to view it theologically, you come to the conclusion ultimately that heaven and hell are both uh, curious, ghost-like images. I mean, you know, one man's heaven and one man's hell. Oh yeah. I mean, can you imagine if after after taking you, you, from the time you were six until the time you were nine, you took piano lessons and you couldn't learn to play anything beyond the most rudimentary chopsticks, and you hated it? Can you imagine what would happen arriving in heaven and you're expected to play a harp? Heaven becomes hell overnight. The harp is not an easy instrument, let me tell you that. And that damn heavenly chorus, singing eternally. My God, I can't stand Montevani as it is. On the other hand, if you spend all of your life, you know, living in a place like uh, uh, Beaver Tail, Wisconsin, where even in mid-July the temperature drops to 40 below, and, you know, you bravely go out to the 40 below zero temperature because it's July 28th and you're pretending it's summer and you're wearing your Bermuda shorts because, damn it, you're going to wear them shorts. It's summertime. Well, the idea of arriving in hell could very well be arriving in heaven. We're eternally there shoveling in there and they have a great climate. I mean, it's just fantastic. And the river sticks, flows by molten lava and you take a dip, you know, and it feels great. Well... Uh, heaven and hell, you know, it's a very complicated issue. And, of course, you have to go through the various tests. You understand that? When you're making your, when you're making the transition between heaven and hell, there are various obstacles. You know, all of you know your, your classical uh, uh, legends about the obstacles that one must leap over to arrive at the one point or the other. Correct them all? Well, I'd say you hit probably your highest test in this purgatory, right around exit 14A. Uh, possibly it extends to 15. 
uh, and then it goes down to right about exit 12. That's in that beautiful area where the skies are never clean. That area where one never sees the sun or the moon, where nothing but great clouds of billowing smoke and burning garbage can be seen for miles on end all around you. And the beautiful Jersey, uh, the Jersey meadows fester uh, you know, under those gray skies. You can hear the bubbles of the methane gas. And uh, uh, refinery after refinery marches like some solemn group of silver soldiers spewing flame at you. And uh, you drive along there. See, so you're going through a scene, man. Now, I grew up in that scene. So I am talking to you as a native. And for those of you who think that you have lived in uh, polluted areas, oh, let me tell you. I want to tell you a little story. I don't think I've ever told this story on the air. And in fact, I know I haven't told this story on the air. It was a beautiful day. Well, let's put it this way. How beautiful do days ever get around exit 12? It was a day when one suspected that there was a sun. The sun was a rumor for many, many moons in this area. And in fact, even the moon was a rumor. We'd we'd read about the moon in the newspapers once in a while. You know, uh, we'd read about the sun. Sun, you know, sun-baked natives uh, bask on beach. You know, we get a picture in the paper of people basking somewhere. But in the area where I lived, we invented pollution. If you wonder where it came from, well, how, you know how various areas of the world are known for their various, uh, let's say, contributions to the general man. For example, the East is known for its its uh, gift of contemplation to all of us. Correct? Right. Uh, France is known for its uh, gift to all of us of uh, the, le- the libido. Correct them all, eh? And uh, England is known for uh, its gift to all of us of the majestic plays of the great uh, Renaissance playwrights. You know, such such great things as I hearken to the eternal rattling of swords, oh, Richard III. This is what they gave to us. Now, you don't often have any use for that, but it's kind of nice to know it's there, isn't it? And that's also true of the libido. Now, uh, what is my native area, my native turf known for? My native turf gave to the rest of the world pollution, which has become a worldwide hobby. It, gave, it, it, it created the whole career of Ralph Nader. So there are many people who think, have to thank what they've got going for them for what my country gave, my part of the world. <laughs> pollution rising out of the steel mills and the refineries. Well, one day in school, I'll tell you a little, if, if you, you want to hear what it really was like, uh, so if you think you've lived in a polluted area, where I'm in a classroom one day, see, and, and all of us are sitting around, and it was a beautiful, just a, you know, nice warm day. The windows are all open in class. You know those days when it's sort of drowsing along and off in the distance you can hear the glee club singing, Can You Bake a Cherry Pie, Darling Billy? They're always singing that. And a dumb song, you know? And uh, so, yeah, one of those nice, quiet days, and off in the distance you can hear the, somebody pinging a tennis ball, and, and the breezes are coming in. You know, breezes. <laughs> Let's put it this way. The uh, sulfur dioxide was coming in, but it was a nice, warm sulfur dioxide on this day. Sulfur dioxide is a gas, isn't it? Right. We used to get an occasional uh, shipment of sulfur monoxide, which was even different. But that, that, yeah, it turns your eyeglasses blue, you know, just like that. Instantly coats them forever. So, uh, we, we, you know, it was a nice day, see. And uh, Miss Robinette was up at the front of the class there. And uh, 
<laughs> the class, I remember symbolically enough, <laughs> the class was deeply involved in one of those crazy, nutty, totally insane projects that English classes tend to get into. Like, uh, everybody had to pick a scene from uh, a Shakespeare play, and you had to pick two or three partners, and you were supposed to go up and, and uh, play it, you were, enact the scene. See? And I'm sitting back there, there was a guy. There was a guy named Chuck Atwood, and myself, and and a guy named Stanley Roper, and we had decided to play this majestic scene out of Midsummer Night's Dream, and I was to play bottom. You could see already my role was cast in life. Uh, you notice they didn't come to me and say, uh, "How about doing Hamlet for us?" And I looked like Hamlet. I want to tell you, I had burning eyes and a and a fevered brow. And if there was anybody that ever had a tortured soul, it was me. But they kept uh, coming up to me and saying, all right, you're going to play bottom, and this other guy's going to play the tinker. Remember that? And uh, so we're going to play this scene, see, where they where they decide to do this play, these three guys, see. And every couple of minutes I was to go, <laughs> you know, yeah, he has a head on, but donkey's head, see. So we're sitting in the back there, and up in the front, uh, there were always the kids that sit up in the front, you know, the kids that uh, have fathers that belong to their country club and all that. You know that type of kid. They were always doing such scenes, uh, great scenes like out of Henry the Fourth. See, that fell on deaf ears in the back of the class, where the only thing we ever got at the Shakespeare was one guy walked around and wore a donkey head. We thought that was kind of great. <laughs> These other kids were always sitting around with cardboard armor. They saw themselves immediately as kings and dukes and stuff. We saw ourselves as tinkers and donkeys. So uh, uh, you didn't know we were going to get into this deep stuff, did you? So uh, <laughs> before we get into this great moment uh, in American education, let's lay a couple of other goodies on you quickly. Speaking of Mexico, do you ever have that, uh, that liqueur that they, <laughs> that they make out of red peppers? Oh, caramba! Oh, talk about your nose sweating. I'll tell you, your soul sweats after a little of that. That's the only stuff I know that is guaranteed to make you into a bar fist fighter. Guaranteed. It says right on the bottle. And we've done all the commercials. Now you can come back in from the John fast. The show is about to begin. Speaking of shows, don't forget, Princeton this Friday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, now the show actually starts at 8.15, but 8 o'clock is when you better be there. Because what we do, we're going to start squirting the audience with water roughly at 5 after 8. And you don't want to miss that, do you? we got these fire hoses. It's going to be fun, I'll tell you. So be sure to wear your rubber suit, right? But uh, it's going to be Princeton this weekend, uh, Friday. That's the one the weekend, and all civilized people begin their weekend roughly Wednesday. So uh, it'll, uh, it'll be there Friday night. I'll be there running around, yelling and hollering, making everybody mad and wondering why the hell they came. So we'll be there. <laughs> no, it's, uh, there will be tickets on sale at the door. We'll arrange to do that. So it's going to be Alexander Hall, Princeton University. Uh, it's a little benefit for WPRB. And you know what PRB stands for? I don't know. It's a pretty, pretty obscene. I can't really tell you on the air. But uh, for those of you who want to really know, they'll be handing out pamphlets at the door. You can join, you know, get a lapel button and all that. So, uh, nevertheless, uh, oh, oh, two minutes, oh, my God. Oh, wow, oh, yeah, oh, uh, okay, we're sitting there in the classroom, right? <laughs> I'll never forget this scene. Every time I go through route uh, uh, on the turnpike around exit 12, I think it is, because you see all the refineries, see, and all around the school that I was going to, 
like a mountain range on the on the horizon were these refineries. And you could sit in the class, see, and you look out and you could see all these silver tanks, see. And they had these great big things called cracking plants. You know what a cracking plant is, where they distill all this uh, stuff, you know, and, and they distill all kinds of things like Neatswood oil and everything, see. And all around us, it was like the forest, see. And in the springtime, you could tell it was spring because all the smoke turned color. It was kind of nice. So we're sitting in there, and up at the front of the class, <laughs> Jack Morton is doing his famous soliloquy from King Lear. You know, uh, you could tell what kind of a student he was. You know, he picked King Lear to do, you know, the, the madness thing. And he's sitting there wearing a burlap sack, which he figured looked like a king suit. And it had the Reynolds wrap all over, you know, like badges and stuff. And he's sitting there on one of these folding stools, and he has a, a king's hat made out of Reynolds wrap, see. And he's, he's intoning. Oh, the dogs of madness are, are howling outside the castle walls. And just at that point, there's a tremendous explosion. And the entire classroom just sort of went up and settled down again. And we sat there for a minute. And Miss Robinette, you know, she thought, she just looked around like, uh, who the hell did this now in the class, see? And we could see outside, just outside the classroom, one of the cracking plants has blown its top right, just right in the middle of the afternoon, just right up. And it was a gigantic yellow cloud, a mushroom cloud that looked exactly like pictures you've seen of atomic explosions, a mushroom cloud, bright sulfur yellow, was rising to the sky, up, 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 and we're all sitting in a classroom looking at it not realizing we're getting one of the great educational experiences of our life. This thing had blown up, see, and it's just rising up like it wasn't smoke. And then it slowly began to descend, and the entire five counties for miles around are slowly drenched in a rain that continued for over four hours. Have you ever been in a town where it rained kerosene? It was a kerosene rain. People's washes were hanging out. Guys' new cars were sitting out there covered with kerosene. Peel the paint right off. You know? And people walking down the street with their new suits. And the kerosene is drifting down hour after hour. Just kerosene slowly soaking the entire county. For over three months, it was illegal even to strike a match. Anywhere within seven miles of the county line. It got so that we were having kerosene mayonnaise sandwiches every day for lunch. We were drinking kerosene-flavored milkshakes down at the Red Rooster. Kerosene soaked the ground for deep inside. Even the fishing worms smells like kerosene. So you think you've had it, buddy. Oh. Uh, W.O.R. New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation.